After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast, or as we're now calling it, the Five Off the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out our website. We're doing heat tonight. But there's a lot of Dolphins news going on. So you've got to check out Three Yards Per Carry, our Dolphins pod, and, of course, our extra yard coverage, which is all over the website. Josh Houts and the rest of those guys are putting that up. The Dolphins, as we speak, uh, just made another signing, Kyle Van Noy. So that's four, five premium signings today. So get all of it. And I can tell you the Three Yards Per Carry guys nailed three of them. I, was, I edited the article they wrote last week about targets and they nailed three of them. So check out their content. Also check out one of our great sponsors, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. Spell it out, O-N-E, calllegal.com. They're there 24 hours a day. That's right, even now, even with this crisis, they're there 24 hours a day to handle just about any kind of case to get you started, whether it's immigration, personal injury, slip and fall, traffic tickets, or much, much more. Again, it's the onecalllegal.com hotline. The Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm, located right there in Miami Shores, just south of the Golden Blades. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back. Ethan Skolnick here. I've got Alphonse Sydney. Make sure to check out our last episode, which I did with Alex Toledo, who calls himself, I think, Diet Nikias, uh, along with Nikias Duncan, where we broke down the heat in 2020 and the rumors or the reports about a possible offer to Goran Dragic after the season of $19 million and also that the heat had interest in DeMar DeRozan at the deadline. So we kind of covered all the permutations. And we covered, and we're going to get into this today with our guest, uh, Rohan Nadkarni from uh, Sports Illustrated, because he wrote a great piece about kind of what this crisis, the coronavirus crisis, has shown about NBA ownership and how they feel about their players and their employees. And one of the things we covered in that podcast, Alex, myself, and Nikias, is the fact that of everybody who's hurting, uh, from a corporate perspective, one guy who's hurting a lot is Mickey Arison. Now you could say that's a small slice of what he actually has since he's a billionaire, but carnival stock is tanking even more than most. Even as I come to you on a day where the Dow was down 3000 points, 12% today. So we're going to get into some of that. Rohan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. I want to start here. And I think if people don't know your work, you're at sports illustrated, you're on the West coast now, but you were at the Miami Herald for a time. Uh, You've written pieces about Dwayne Wade and Dion waiters over the past uh, year plus, and so you're very well acquainted with the Miami situation. But I, I want to 
get into the piece that you wrote. Can you introduce it to our listeners and, and kind of what you were trying to get out there? Without a doubt. Uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. It's hilarious to hear Alf introduces Alphonse. That was great. This has already been worth it. Uh, uh, basically, uh, I, the piece I wrote for SI was just, you know, I, I think a lot of people are looking at the loss of the NBA, MLS, NHL, MLB right now as kind of, hey, we're losing this unifying force. We're, we're losing our distraction. But you know, for a lot of people, sports is, is not an escape. It's a livelihood. I'm not just talking about the players and then the coaches and the owners, but it's the arena workers. It's the people at the restaurants and the bars who work around the arena. Uh, so many people are being impacted by this pandemic. And at least people like the three of us, you know, we have the good fortune. We're able to work from home. We're able to continue our jobs covering sports because there's so much news uh, surrounding this issue. But uh, there are a lot of people who are going to be kind of impacted by this who don't know where that next paycheck is coming from, don't know if they're still going to have health care, uh, and it's kind of a crazy situation. So I, basically with this piece, I think what I was trying to do is just make sure we're still putting public pressure on uh, these owners to make sure that these arena workers are getting paid. I, I do think the combination of public pressure as well as Mark Cuban being interviewed on national TV has kind of created uh, this environment where owners feel uh, – necessary or, or kind of they feel like it's their job now to pay these arena workers i think some teams have announced better plans than others uh, and, and that was kind of just the, the genesis of the piece is hey let's make sure we're still putting pressure on teams to take care of the employees that are really going to need the help uh over the next few months because we don't know how long the suspension is going to last well rohan the funny thing to me is it's not just the uh owner i mean it's not just the media or public pressure it's players themselves that are putting so much pressure on the owners the millionaires are are willing to pony up before some of the owners, the billionaires, are are ready to pony up, and that that was just really surprising to me. And I think a lot of times we we lose track of the fact that the players don't have overhead, the owners do have overhead, but yeah, but we also are talking about billionaires versus millionaires, and you have guys like Kevin Love, uh, you have so many guys out there just saying that I'm they're, they're going to donate. $100,000. Zion Williamson, who's on a rookie contract, ready to donate $100,000 and make sure these arena workers get paid. Like, if as, a, as an owner, you look like a piece of crap right now if you're not coming out with a plan to make sure that your employees are taken care of throughout this epidemic. It was crazy. Yeah, that's, it was that's crazy. the thing. I, I, it is all about public pressure, though, isn't it? I mean, let, yeah. let's, look at, let's look at the economics of this, okay? People think – whenever there's a, a work stoppage – Everybody blames the players. And by everybody, I mean about 60% of fans, okay? Which I guess is not everybody, but it seems like everybody at the time. It's always the players are greedy, players want to – and nobody's thinking about the fact that if you look at what players actually have in the bank, right, even if you throw in endorsements, you're talking about 1%, 2%, maybe top level 10% of what an owner has. And, and I've never understood why it is that the fan – takes the side of during work stoppages takes the side of the billionaire rather than the millionaire particularly because it's the millionaire who is the reason that they go to the games the reason that they watch the games the reason that they play fantasy sports the reason that they gamble on the sports it's not because of the owner it's not because most a lot of fans don't even know who the owner is but suddenly when there's a work stoppage it's the however it's framed whether it's a lockout or a strike whether it's the owners who ultimately do it it's like who files for divorce right like whether it's the owners who ultimately do it or whether it's players ultimately do it uh, either way, the players tend to get blamed more than the owners. 
right? You know, it's funny, and I'm gonna let Rohan go, but it's it's a natural human reaction, and we've we've seen it throughout a, a lot of different uh, forms and a lot of different aspects of life. We either go one level up or one level down when it's time to blame people for something. We never go all the way to the top. Like, so we, we either blame the, the, the people right underneath us or the people right above us. And I know that millionaires technically aren't right above us, but those are the, our closest interactions as fans are with the players. So who do we blame? We blame the people that are the most accessible to us. We blame them before we blame the owners for anything. And I just think it's, it's, it's just like a natural human reaction. I like to hear Rohan's take, but I just, it just, to me, I've always noticed that we always go to the next level. Yeah, I think it's just kind of taken people a long time to be more sympathetic towards labor. I think for a long time, people haven't realized that, you know, players are the laborers in this situation. They're a lot closer to, to me and you than, than they are to the owners. And what's really struck me is I think in this, you know, era of the NBA where, you know, everyone wants to talk about player empowerment and what that means. And, you know, some people are skeptical of what that means for the game and, and the health of the NBA. Uh, this is the, the other side of that. This is, this is what player empowerment is as well. It's guys like Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, Giannis Antetokounmpo, kind of setting that example for others. You know, it, it's Steph Curry not just donating to the Warriors Relief Fund, but donating to Oakland schools. I mean, LeBron James has kept his family resources center at the I Promise School open. It's, you know, these are all the things that, that go hand in hand with player empowerment. I, and I wish fans, I think are, they're just so tribal. Uh, they're just like so focused on the team as opposed to the individuals uh, that I think it's easy to lose sight of what these guys are doing in the communities. And, and something that really bothers me, and, and Ethan, I'm sure you know this just as well as I do, is when you talk to teams, when you – and you're getting, you know, on-the-record quotes from executives or talking to PR guys. They love to talk about, you know, we, we're just a representation of our community. You know, we're as right. blue-collar as our fans. And, and our team's identity neatly matches the identity of our city. You hear that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, the Bucks asked for $250 million in public funding uh, for their new arena, and their owners, instead of stepping up for their arena workers, are saying they're matching player donations. I, I just think it's... It's shameful. These are these are owners and billionaires and people who will exploit people like us for our money when it's convenient for them, uh, but they won't do the same in, in the time of a tragedy or a pandemic for their workers. And I, I'm really well, that, that's the thing. A lot of fans are out there. You know, the the ones who tend to support uh, the authoritarian figure, right, instead of labor. And, and this does fall along political lines quite a bit. And a lot of those people tend to be battling me all the time, I, and that especially lately. And and I'm not hiding from it anymore. I think Republicans. Alf wants, Alf, well, Alf wants me to. Republicans. I, I don't have a problem with all Republicans. I just I have a problem with those who who voted for Cheeto. But but look, I, I I think that what you're looking at here is that there's always this thing on Twitter that comes out, and it came at me. Uh, this week, which was, well, you don't know what owners have done and you know, what owners have done what and what owners haven't done. And, and the, I, that's true, uh, unless, except for the ones who announced and Mark Cuban announced, right? Uh, it came out about Dan Gilbert. Uh, you mentioned the Milwaukee situation, the Atlanta situation, the Golden State situation. That's five. I knew something was coming with Miami, although it, yeah, hasn't, I, come, I, I, it, it hasn't come yet. It hasn't come yet. I, I will say there was supposed to be an announcement today of some sort, and now I'm told it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday, related to the workers. I do know they're working on it, so they haven't ignored it. But, but I do feel like, whereas it seemed to me, 
And I'm not speaking of the heat in this regard because, again, very early on I was told they were working on it. But it does seem to me with a lot of these organizations that they were shamed into doing it, whereas the players weren't shamed into doing anything. Like the Kevin Love thing, and, I, and Alf knows I'm not the biggest Kevin Love fan. I mean, I covered Kevin Love for a couple of years, but Kevin Love just did it. Blake Griffin just did it. Giannis just did it. Zion on a rookie contract just did it. Why, why should owners, why should an owner who hasn't done it yet be shamed into doing it? It seems ridiculous to me. It really is kind of crazy. And another thing I just want to say is we're seeing plans announced, and that's very good. It's not as simple as just these plans being announced. I do think there needs to be some level of making sure that these people are getting their money efficiently. You know, the money is going to the right people. Another thing that has struck me is I do think teams have been purposefully vague about what these plans are exactly. Uh, And the Kevin Love thing was really remarkable, just because like you said, it came out of nowhere. There was no reason for him to do it, quote unquote. And uh, the fact that he just came out and did it, I, I do think has helped. I, I feel like what we've seen is a domino effect is, you know, Mark Cuban did it and that probably made another owner or two feel like they need to do it. And once it was three or four, then it had to be seven or eight. And then it had to be, you know, 15 or 16 to the point where I do think we're going to get all owners. But it does also bother me that because this isn't coming from the league, I, I think we're going to get varying degrees of how these workers and how these people are going to be helped. And I do think there needs to be some kind of, Follow up or, or, or eye on what exactly these teams are doing. Yeah, there has to. Sure that the money's going to go to the right people. Rohan, you're right. There has to be accountability. And then also, we forget a lot of times. And honestly, this is a microcosm of the entire society, right? Because we're talking about arena workers. There's a lot of people that work in arenas that aren't aren't necessarily arena workers. Subcontracted people through uh, concessions, uh, subcontract, subcontracted security. Ethan and I talked about this on another podcast where you see the same security people at different arenas, different stadiums within the same city because there's one company subcontracting their workers. So a lot of times what we're talking about, yeah, like there, when you go to a game day, you see all these different people there. Those are not, all those people are not necessarily employees of the team. So in society as a whole right now, there's a lot of people talking about and I was I was here talking about let's close the schools, let's close bars and restaurants. But like there's a lot of people that depend on that income. So we have to be we have to be very wary of just like you're saying, there has to be accountability of who's getting paid, what are they getting paid. There's a lot of promises being made out there. So got you we can make so you can make promises about team employees or 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 arena employees. That could be 40, 30, 30 to 40% of the people that you see on a game day. What about the rest of these people? What are they right. doing uh, uh, to, to, to weather the storm, if you will? Like this, this thing is, is, is impacting a lot more people than we really, than we think about on a daily basis. Yeah, it, it, just the scope of what this pandemic means for society, it really can't be understated. I know this is a sports podcast, but it really is just such a microcosm of what's going to happen to so many people. Uh, I'm sure it's going to happen in, in Broward and Dade so far. I mean, it's happened here in LA. It's happened in New York. Bars closing, restaurants going to take out only. Uh, there are so many people in this service industry, in the subcontract industry, that uh, it, the impact is just going to be massive. And, and I do think that it's fair for people like us to continue to put pressure on institutions uh, to take care of these people, especially when these are the same institutions uh, that expect us to not treat them like businesses, that expect 
public money for their stadiums and arenas. I do think it's going to be maybe the kind of the most fascinating thing in the sports world to follow over the next few months is how willing are the teams or the owners and the leagues, uh, how willing are they to make an impact in their community the same way they expect the communities to kind of look out for them. But well, Roman, we we talk about takeout only. There's bartenders, there's servers. Yeah, like that. You know what I mean? That doesn't take care. And I, I know exactly what you're saying. So we're we're saying takeout only or delivery only for all these restaurants and these well, like a nightclub, a bar, like where you know the 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 clientele is coming in to spend money. Like there's man, there's just if when you really start to think about it and break it down, like I'm a salaried employee. Outside of five reasons, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, well, after the stock market today, man, there ain't going to be any salaries for the next three decades. For, yeah, for anybody. But my regular job, tight. I'm a salaried employee, and I'm fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get keep, I'm gonna get paychecks throughout this whole entire ordeal. But I know, like, a, a good friend of mine is a bartender. I have friends of mine who drive Uber. Like, you know, it's, it's, the, the impact is, is crazy. And we're focusing on the sports world, of course because we're a sports podcast, but I like the fact that we're focusing on this aspect of it and the article that you wrote, because it kind of lends itself to a, a bigger discussion of what is, act, what, what is the actual impact of this pandemic. And nobody's going to follow up. That's the thing. I mean, you're right, Ryan. Nobody's going to follow up. Like, you know, we'll hear stories about, you know, uh, from workers that didn't work out the way we expected or whatever, but this is one of those stories that I think was hot at the beginning because, the NBA was kind of first. Like, I mean, the NBA shut down before any of the other sports leagues and it shut down before the restaurants and bars started shutting down and it shut down before the schools. It all shut down because of Rudy Gobert. Like, like that is the reason. Because They were playing games and Rudy Gobert. And then all of a sudden, everybody has followed the NBA. And I know Rudy's, you know, gone back and tried to atone and, and that's a whole nother conversation. But that's why we started with the NBA. But that's all going to get forgotten. I mean arena workers are going to get forgotten as all these other people are, are thrown out of the mist. And that's why I was kind of curious, like, okay, when are these teams coming up with plans? Is it going to be a week? Is it going to be two weeks? But could we just say that every one of these teams is going to do the right thing here so that we don't have to have both all-star teams, you know, that were in Chicago, you know, basically, you know, and then, you know, what happens? And this, this drives me crazy because some players have stepped up Giannis and Zion. You started to hear this on Twitter. Where's LeBron? Right. Where's, you know, then Steph stepped up. Right. So where's LeBron? Right. Where's James Harden? Where's and again, it, it's it shouldn't be on them. You and know what I'm saying? Then it becomes that competition and it's ridiculous. It's really just so absurd. It really is. And it's just crazy, man. And I, I another thing that and I, I wrote about this today is I don't what I don't think people are really grasping yet is. I, I have to think you'd agree with me, Ethan, but I don't think the NBA is going to be able to finish this season. I, I would be shocked if they're able to come back i mean america just has no handle on what this pandemic means uh, the testing is so far behind we have no idea if we've reached the peak number of cases yet so far playing games without fans presents its, its own set of problems i would be shocked i would be floored if the nba finishes the 2020 season and i think we could be looking at a significant pushback to the next season as well i mean i think it's going to be a very long time before these leagues are going to be able to operate with any sense of normalcy. I mean, we're talking about a vaccine that might be 12 to 18 months away. Uh, the U.S. is months behind on testing. Uh, we're, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen in Florida, the beaches are still crowded, the bar. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Are so crowded, people aren't taking the distancing seriously, and that's going to affect when the NBA, all these leagues, are going to be able to return. And if that's the case, you know, this story with the workers and, and all these people is going to be huge. And it, you can't just you just can't have a team like the Bucks saying it's on the players and we're going to match their contributions. That's just not going to work. And being proud of it too, and putting it. I want to get to that after the break. Everything Rohan just talked about, because that's where this podcast is going. So we're actually going to get in into basketball here in a second. But before we do. I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's Dutch Valley Farms. What's Dutch Valley Farms? They're not your average cannabis grow farm. They've got deep roots in the 305. This hometown group of doctors, CPAs, and Silicon Valley professionals have taken their talents from the 305 to the 503 to make you the finest flower out there. How does Miami find its way all the way out in Oregon? Simple, a team with a shared belief in cannabis research and erasing the stigma behind the bud. Today, Dutch Valley Farms is bringing together old school growing practices with new school tech to deliver a consistently clean, high quality experience that you can feel good about. The proof is in the plant. Do you want more information? Visit DutchVF.com or follow them on Instagram at Dutch Valley Farms. It's funny, all the things we used to think were dangerous are not dangerous, right? Like the safest things to do in this country right now, probably, should I say it? Smoke weed and have sex. To smoke some weed. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just stay indoors and smoke weed and have sex. I, I did not suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get trouble. It's true. It's true. Wait, it's like no, going- you're going against what Devin Nunez said. Devin Nunez said. No, he said go out. And, go out in public. I, there's there was a, a. Did you a, did you see the 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 I think senator or governor of Tennessee that said go out and go to Bob Evans? 
Yeah, no, but that's where you want to go, right? Like that's not like that one woman on on Twitter. She's running for school board or something in Colorado, and she posted that she had a delicious meal at Red Robin, and she was going to enjoy her delicious meal. And I'm like, you can't even go to Applebee's, like I, it's, it's Red F and Robin. Like I mean, she's a goddamn American. That's that's one of those in the uh, in the Pembroke Mall. I've been to Red Robin. It's you know, I mean, it ain't even Applebee's. It's not Fridays. It's not Chili's. I mean, at least upgrade a little bit from there. Red Lobster. <laughs> Um, anyway, but those, anything serious, I, there's a friend of mine who li, li, we're going to get back to basketball here. We only have a few minutes. There's a friend of mine who, who joined Tinder last week. Like, could you choose a worse week to do that? It's like you joined Tinder. No, that, that, this is the best time to join Tinder. Are you kidding me? Social you, distancing. No, but you can just invite a girl over your house now and I have to go pay money at a restaurant. Like, no, listen, I want to meet you, but I don't feel safe going out and spending spending $200 at a restaurant. Why don't you just come over here? I got a bottle of crown. Let's go. Um, bottle of crown. And we'll watch the stock market go down together. That's it. We'll watch, watch the world burn. Rohan, apologize for this. Alf and I are a little, <laughs> a little punch drunk here. I, I you know, uh, Dutch Valley farms. Anyway, I, I'm going on light skin opinions this weekend. Aren't I? Yeah. Tomorrow. Going? Tomorrow. Right. right. Yeah. I think so. I would just yeah. like to point out. I'm technically light skin too, Alf. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, you, you, you're invited on any time. <laughs> We're, I, I, I have no more travel. Uh, both Parrish and Chris are on like 30 to 60 day hiatuses from work. Like you're actually going to get a light skin opinion episode every week for the next yeah. like Well, that's the thing. We're going to produce we're on this network. Like I've got nothing else to do and I got no money coming in right now. We got nothing. We, we have nothing to do but produce content. Like we're just going to overwhelm people with content and hopefully they'll just forget that the other outlets exist by the time we come back. That's, that's our plan here i don't know if it's going to work anyway let's get to basketball because we're supposed to be a basketball podcast but there's not going to be any basketball played for a long time so let's get into this quickly some of the plans that we've heard about that are out there um rowan i had before woge's report yesterday you know which basically you know sort of indicated uh, it was not promising right it's it's sort of we're putting this thing off for 60 days and going to kind of figure it out uh, after that, I had heard that they needed to kind of start something by August 1st and that there were a lot of possibilities to shrink this season. Like, but you had to play some regular season games to satisfy some CBA requirements. And also, uh, you know, what was the other thing? It was CBA requirements and TV requirements. And, but ultimately you could shrink the playoffs, right? So you could have a very, very shortened rest of the regular season get some teams a couple of weeks maybe, and then shrink the playoffs where you're doing best of three, best of five series until you get to the finals. And then you would have to be best of seven. What have you heard? Like what, what are the possible? Cause you don't think they're playing at all. I don't either. I, I think it's done. I think the season is over with. Um, and I've been saying that for, a, you know, about a, since we left the arena that night on Wednesday night, what do you think? I mean, I would be shocked. I mean, for me, it's, it's mostly just going off the science of it and what's been going on in other countries is it's kind of just been my approach to this is, you know, from what I've heard, just mostly even talking to reporters is I do think the league is constantly having discussions about what's the way for us to get back to this, you know, so they can start making money again. Frankly, I do think the league is going to be careful. I don't think they're going to do anything reckless just because there's going to be so much attention on the first league that tries to come back and they can't afford to have a situation where they come back let's say in mid-June and someone gets infected again, uh, it's just going to be a disaster. Uh, but mostly just going off the science uh, off this and, you know, reading reports, I mean, uh, reports in the Daily Beast and Washington Post today are just kind of like, 
how long can this pandemic go out? Uh, just to give people an, an example, I mean, China, which has been dealing with this for the longest time, is still going through some pretty aggressive measures in, in terms of how they're combating this in Wuhan, where the virus originated. Uh, you know, people are still having their temperature recorded. Uh, people are still having their movements tracked. Uh, travel is restricted. Obviously, there's things China can do that the U.S. Uh, will never do. Uh, but, you know, it's been months since the peak in Wuhan, and it's still going to take a long time for them to return uh, to a true sense of normalcy. Uh, in the Washington Post today, uh, they basically said, listen, it's, it's perhaps even likely uh, that the U.S. Uh, is going to have to do, you know, some measure of social distancing, some measure of isolation uh, after the peak of this virus uh, until there can be a vaccine. And, and the problem is for us, we don't know when the peak is going to be. So I think if, you know, people, if you just approach this from a scientific perspective, see what's going on in these other countries that have frankly had way better testing than the United States, it's taking them a long time to get back to the idea of mass gatherings or sports or anything like that. So that's just been the perspective I've been looking at this, that I would be shocked if the NBA finished the season. And I do think the start of next season will be pushed back significantly unless somehow the best case scenario emerges, uh, but that would take a complete 180 from what's been going on in this country so far. And we also just don't know how to do things like that here. Like we just don't know, like, like we, we, we hear the warnings, we hear what everyone's saying. And we're also out at bars, we're out at restaurants. Like we are just so used to our freedoms and listen, freedom comes with a cost. So it's funny that, you know, we, we talk about China and we talk about the, the lack of uh, the lack of democracy and the, la- the lack of civil rights. But then when it comes to something like this, they're able to just shut down their country. And we just and because of our freedom, we just can't do those kinds of things. And listen, it's a double edged sword. You know, 98 percent of the time it's great. But a time like this, like we just don't know how to just say, OK, we're just going to stay home. Because we're just so used to doing whatever the F we want to do all the time. And look at like Miami. You're, you're going to ask 20-year-olds in Miami to stay home. It's just never going to happen until there's some kind of federal guideline, until there's some kind of, uh, you know, just state mandate where things close down and there's nothing else to do. And we'll still figure a way out to congregate at public parks or something. Well, well I, but I think, I think we started to get there today because I think when uh, – I think the turning point of this, to be honest – and again, without getting too political, with Idris Elba? No, not Idris Elba. <laughs> the turning point of this, I think, was when you know Trump basically, you know, the Fed did what he's been desperate for them to do for the economy, which is basically artificially prop up the economy, you know, by by slashing interest rates to zero, and the stock market still went down two thousand points. And we know that that's basically what what he cares about, right? And so it still went down 2,000 points. And I don't think it was any coincidence that after that, there was this great acknowledgement that, oh, we need to start doing some shit, okay? Uh, you, know, and, you know, after basically denying it and, you know, others, you know, his followers calling it a hoax and everything else, suddenly it's a big crisis. And then the market went down another 1,000 points while he was speaking. And he basically said, yeah, the market will come back at some point. So I think like that ship has sailed at this stage. So I think at this point, it's just about salvaging it and trying to sort of stem the tide and so-called flatten the curve. It's pro- I'm not I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a I'm not a scientist. I'm not I'm none of those things. It would seem to me like it's too late. Okay, I mean like well, it, it's well, it's too late. I mean everybody was at Disney about, World this weekend. So what are you? If we want to talk about the NBA season, the the quicker that 
the sooner the federal government steps in and just basically shuts things down is the more likely that we'll get an NBA season. The longer that we prolong this because of, you know, uh, <laughs> re-election concerns and right. not wanting to panic the public, the longer that we prolong these things, the fact that school just shut down in Broward and Palm Beach and Dade County this Monday, when Broward County is like the epicenter of uh, coronavirus in the state of Florida, like that just sh- tells you all you need to know. Like, yes, it might be too late, but it's still the longer that we prolong this. Yeah, you're not going to get an NBA season. You're not going to get an NFL season. You're, you're going to get so, I, in my, my opinion, you just take the something for workers and move forward. But sometimes I, I, I and this is more a light skin opinion uh, topic. But sometimes I just I have a I don't have a lot of faith and the federal government to do what needs to be done. Um, not anymore. No, they're not going to. But Rohan, let, let's get back to the basketball on it because I keep taking it in a direction that <laughs> 20% of our listeners don't want me to take it. Uh, what, I mean, what is even the point, I guess? Like I, for, from an NBA perspective, right? Like, like what, what's the best case scenario, okay? You, you take two months off, and I think it's, I, like I agree with you, it's going to be longer. But you take 60 days off and you test everybody and everybody's clean, not going to happen, okay? And then you decide you're going to start a training camp and you're going to play, you know, every team is going to get to 70 games or something like that. They're all between 64 and 67 right now. And then all of a sudden, and I've talked about this, for seeding purposes, it doesn't really matter for most teams. The one seeds are set, the eight seeds are set. You're talking about the difference between five and six in the East, between seven and eight in the East, it's kind of irrelevant. In the West, there's a little bit more of a log jam on a couple of spots, but the top four look like they're pretty set. So you're not really doing this for seeding, but you're just doing this to get guys in shape, satisfy the CBA, satisfy TV, and then you start the playoffs. Is there even any point? Like, are we going to get good basketball? Because I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I know that's like the least of everybody's concerns, and it should be. But like, I, I don't even know what we're trying to salvage at this point. Like, what is it? Like, the season's I mean, gone. It's, it's it's money, and that's what it is. And and I I think that's that's the league's biggest motivation to return is they're just taking such a massive revenue hit right now. And in that sense, there is incentive for both the owners and the players to get back to playing, right? I mean, if they can recruit even even some of the television money, I mean, whatever it would take, I'm sure the contracts uh, – I'm curious what the television contracts frankly include uh, for some kind of situation like this. But uh, that's what it comes down to is just can they generate some revenue? And players probably want to come back too because, you know, the NBA, as you know, ESPN has reported, CBA experts have noted there's a force majeure clause in there. Uh, players can stop getting paid. So – the point, I think, to come back would just be, I think, resetting the calendar to some sense of normalcy, make sure that they can have a proper offseason and then a proper buildup in the next season, figure out how that's going to go. Are they going to have to shorten it? Are they going to have to play into another month? I mean, what's the deal with that? So I just think that the sooner they can get back, the sooner they can start you know, figuring out logistical headaches and then also just get money back into the pockets of people who really want money. But I don't think they're going to come back for, frankly, some kind of social good uh, or anything like that. I think it'll just be a lot of people are taking a massive revenue hit because of this. And frankly, there's incentives from the arena workers to the players to the owners uh, for basketball to come back. All right. So let's do some of this stuff rapid fire here before we close. Do you think there's any scenario and is there any point to playing games without fans? Alf. Um, I mean, yeah. I do. If you if you can if you can ensure the safety of 
coaching staff, medical staff, uh, you know, arena staff, and the players, if it's if it's 60, 90 days down the line and, the, you know, the virus is starting to calm down, but it's not time to have large, uh, large social gatherings again, then, yeah, there's a point, you know, there's a TV product. And honestly, just for people's psyche and well-being, like, it's just good to have an escape. And, uh, like, right now, like, it's been, like, day five and people are already going nuts. You're putting up really weird polls already on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it'd, be, it'd be nice to have some games to watch again. With, even with fans in the arena, listen, what is that, uh, 3, 5% of the people actually enjoying the game? So, yeah, you can do – Well, the, gam- the gamblers will be happy, right? Uh, because the gamblers and the, and the TV viewers. And, and the TV viewers, which is what the NBA really cares about. That poll, by the way, Rohan, how would you have voted on this? Because I, I, when, when you were a fan, I put up a poll saying – it is. Uh, it's two-two in the NBA Finals. I got this wrong because the Heat wouldn't have been home for Game Five. But two-two <laughs> in the NBA Finals. Heat Lakers. You're promised floor seats, but told you get a fifty percent chance of getting coronavirus. Guess what percentage of it? This got more votes than any poll I ever put up. It, it got twelve thousand votes. Twelve thousand votes. And yep. I shook my head, but was also just marveling at like the the William Randolph Hearstness of it. Yes. Just, yes. You're you're pure. I loved it. Um. I think I would I would choose the option where I don't get corona. Mm-hmm. You know, I have elderly parents. <laughs> right. My grandmother's with my parents. I'm not taking any chances. I just I loved I loved you going for it. But it, it's a it's it's a jaded sports writer perspective because I, <laughs> I, I hated it by the way. Seven se, se, yeah, no, yeah, seventy seven percent of seventy seven percent of I'm glad we still laugh on the program. Seventy seven percent of twelve thousand votes said they would go. And not only did they say where they would go, they sent me various memes of them getting out of the cars with gold chains <laughs> and all the rest of it uh, and wanting to go. All right, last one here uh, for Rohan. You know, we said about the no fans possibility. Do you think that this could lead to a structural change to the schedule? In other words, the season ends, because this has been talked about, I think the Hawks owners threw this out uh, before this even happened, right? That you really, you're better off starting the season in December anyway. So maybe you push this back and you start the next season in December. You get out of the way of the NFL. You play deep into the summer. You just push the league year and all that stuff back. Do you think that this will lead to the opportunity to do some things that maybe the league has wanted to do for a while? This is a cop-out, but this is literally what I wrote about it today. I just think you can't even have that conversation yet because we just don't know how long this is going to play out. Just to echo what I said earlier, until we figure out what the peak of this virus is in the United States, it's just going to be impossible to have answers. And it's going to take an absolute upheaval of testing in this country to figure that out. So until that happens, it's just, who knows? I mean, what if the next season, what if the 2021 season doesn't start until literally January, 2021, uh, February? I mean, what if it's a year until the NBA can come back? I don't want to sound alarmist, but we just genuinely have no idea. And that's just, I don't want to cop out, but that's what I wrote about today. It's just, it's impossible to even know what kind of effects this could have on the NBA calendar. I mean, in the best case scenario, uh, maybe the league's able to come back and, and it just, it goes back to normal. I'm not one of those people who's obsessed with the league starting on Christmas. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. I do think the TV ratings are something about them being not as good in the summer either. So it, it'll be tricky, but uh, yeah, I just think it's so early to have those conversations because we don't, we have no idea when the next NBA season is going to start. Uh, you know, forget even finishing this one. That that to me is the the bigger concern, and, and that could take some time. And I think, and I think we close here. I think that is the point of all these podcasts we're doing, 
is that nobody knows anything. And I, I, I feel like we had sports fans in total denial about this the first couple of days. And I kept saying, so like, you don't understand. Like when I went down to that game that Wednesday night, I've stayed home, understandably. So I thought that was the last game I was going to this season. And, and that escalated quickly. Okay. That happened while I was watching the heat blow a 20 point lead. So I, I just think that people don't understand how fast when things, when people talk about exponential, exponential is, is something serious. That's something different. And I don't think we know Rohan, we appreciate you joining us again. Follow his work at Sports Illustrated. Hopefully, we'll have you on to talk basketball some other time. Alf and I, Alex and I, Leif, we're going to be bringing on everybody to do podcasts. We want to keep you entertained, and I know I'm going to get myself in some trouble, but F it. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.